the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me is editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. As we uh, take you behind the scenes, well not really behind the scenes, but comment on uh, on another massive week in the A-League. Yeah. As we've said a few times before, I don't think ever in the history of football has there been a, a, a 10 or 11 team tournament that's generated so much drama. It's making it very easy for us, isn't it? <laughs> we were discussing, you know, maybe we could have A-League the musical coming soon yeah. uh, with, you know, various pantomime villains and heroes and clubs going and coming back from the dead. And But maybe we'll do that as another uh, as another podcast. But... Let's start with the action on the pitch. We'll get to the action off it shortly. Um, round seven review. Trev, Friday night. Uh, saw the Jets, who have obviously dominated proceedings uh, on and off the pitch um, for the last week, uh, register their first win of the season. Michael Bridges with a with a cracking volley after 10 minutes. Well, and finish like Players like him and Fowler who can finish like that. And Labino, sharpest tool in the box. Haliti. You're going to say about his shirt. Oh, I've said it before, said, haven't oh, yeah. I? <laughs> It's so frustrating. It's like, mate, keep your bloody shirt on. It's like, you know you're going to get a yellow card. Mm. He always looks surprised when he gets it. It's like, sooner or later, he's going to end up getting suspended for nothing more than scoring five goals. Yeah. What an idiot. Um, I think he's quite safe on that front, maybe. But again, Perth, um, second defeat in a row. Is this the start of the slump from Perth after a promising start, Trev? Um Maybe I, th- I think we said it before because they've got a lot of experienced players. I don't see them being like a young team that go on the charge and then go on a terrible sort of run of form. I, th- I think they've got the ability to sort of dig out a win when they need one. I just think that you know they haven't still haven't fully solved this problem of of where they travel away because that's the kind of game you have to win, isn't it? If you're serious about you know topping the table, going away to a struggling Jets who are in trouble. So yeah, I, I think they'll still bounce back and they'll still pick up enough points at home. Yeah, customary yellow card from Jacob Burns as well on 51 minutes. How many, um, how many has he got now? You might as well just actually cut and paste that in Yeah. for every every match report. Yeah, he seems to get worse every week, <laughs> doesn't he? Like, every week he gets more tenacious. Uh, Sporting Bet have actually stopped taking odds on uh, him getting a yellow card. I did inquire, but um, <laughs> they won't give the odds. Newcastle obviously got away to the first win. I mean, he's, you know, then obviously we'll talk about last night. Let's talk about last night now, then obviously they couldn't back that up. Uh, they went down 1-0 at Gold Coast. Uh, injury time or 90th minute. Yeah. Rocket. Rocket. How much How much better do goals look when they hit the crossbar? Or hit a punch? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I do. <laughs> that, yeah. Better, it adds that extra sort of drama. I'd actually back the draw, so I, I winced a bit when that went in. But let's be honest, it, it, thank God that there was a goal. you know, yeah. Because two nil-nil draws on the bounce in front of 2,000 people um, sure. wouldn't have boded well. Um, Unlikely source as well. Yeah, although he did well playing right back, stepping yeah. inside, a totally confident step inside as well. You know, that was a yeah. deliberate step inside to hit it with his left foot. So he's obviously you know got confidence on both feet, which is good. He's got a good pedigree, isn't he? The sort of pedigree. Well, he's the ex-Man United player, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's move on. Uh, North Queensland nil, Melbourne victory nil. Mm. Did he expect Crowd. some more goals there? <laughs> well, yeah, crowd are just under uh, just under five thousand, which again. Probably a little disappointing, um, particularly as we're out of NRL season there for with the Cowboys out of action. Um, we would have hoped for a few more there against uh, visitors like Melbourne Victory. Um, anything to add on that, really? Uh, no, not really, except that I thought, you know, 
fixture normally good for a goal on the breakaway and Fury have been scoring more, so I think it's a, a relatively big surprise that neither team could win. Yeah. Or score, shall I say. Uh, Brisbane won, Adelaide won. Uh, yes. Possibly, should we talk about the miss of the Let's season? start the miss. Please. I had him to score as well. Oh. I couldn't believe it. Well, at any time? At any time. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. I mean, it happens. It does happen, but... I love the way that he sort of tried to bury his head into the post like it wouldn't come out. A bit like Aloisi yeah. afterwards. There's nothing you can do about it once it's gone like that. Yeah, so Matthew Leckie in a goals again, and then uh, an equalise from Thomas Broich from a set piece uh, that, that crept in. Um, Brisbane, again, having had made a, a strong start, are starting to stutter a bit as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, I mean... We were making the point last week that they're perhaps not scoring enough goals, um, which is always going to make it difficult throughout the season. And they look more a mid-table team than they do a, a serious finals contender. But Adelaide should have wrapped that one up. They really should have had the points there, I reckon. Yeah. And I, I, looking at that up front, I mean, uh, Solazano's not really sort of caught fire yet. Um, doesn't look 100% fit and was uh, withdrawn. You know, a good sort of 25 minutes from the end. Ronaldo again to me doesn't look 100 no. percent, um, and hasn't you know hasn't really been the the threat that he has been in previous seasons. So they do look a bit a bit lightweight up front. Um, although they still look to to create a fair few chances from midfield. Yeah. Um, Adelaide, good point for them on the road, but as you say, probably disappointing they didn't take all no, all three points there. If you look at that sort of uh, attacking thrust they've got now, Van Dijk, Flores, and Lecky. I mean that's genuinely going to be difficult to um, stop well, what's going on with Travis Dodd don't know not really heard anything about him this season because throw him in there as well yeah and you've got those you know, four a bit on of the pace charge. on the break yeah. and Lecky you know, they, they could tear teams apart um, Melbourne Hart yep. got their uh, second win back to back 2-1 winners over Wellington Phoenix John Aloisi off the mark for the season Alex Terra. uh Tim Brown got a consolation back for the Phoenix, but um, Hart held on. As you might expect that one, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Although I did think that Wellington might have um, might well have benefited from having the week in Melbourne because obviously yeah. they played victory before, so I thought that might have played into their hands, but it didn't prove to be. So they still need to, um, yeah, they still need to uh, to find the ability to win on the road, which is, seems to be beyond them. Them and Perth seem to struggle to do that. Um, Melbourne Heart, are we seeing them now start to turn a corner? I think so, yeah. Everyone's going on about how it's going to take them time to do it. They're not in a, you know, an awful position. They're sitting in seventh. and as they're, is often, they're only a win away from third position. Is that so. a classic A-League? Yeah, yeah. Um, Gold Coast nil, Mariners nil. Oof. Sunday. Uh, not a huge amount to say about this. I, I sort no. of half-watched this and it, I was sort of half watching it and half looking at my fish tank which ended up being more interesting by the end of it <laughs> yeah um, so we'll, we'll move on quickly from that the table at the end of that um, so as Adelaide uh, three points clear at the top from the Mariners um, Perth uh, third on 11 points rock bottom Sydney FC obviously had the weekend off last week back in action this weekend um, top of the goal scoring charts Matthew Leckie very happy about that yeah good to see very happy and Eiffel and Stajowski on three goals each the one thing that I will say about the uh, just going back to the Mariners Gold Coast game was I'm going to get very tired very soon of whenever Patricio Perez goes to ground 
everyone around him on the opposition claiming he dived. That's going to get tiring very quickly. Yeah, and pretty predictable as well, yeah, wasn't it? you know, like, it's it like, OK, in. the guy's copped it, he's had a ban, let's let the guy play his football. You know, and, and I hope that yeah that stops because it's going to get very very annoying very quickly. Yep. Anyway, that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two to uh, look at some of the uh, headlines that have been making news on our website au.442.com. You've got thirty seconds to see if you can guess what has dominated over the last four or five days. See you after the break. It's time to celebrate the rebirth of the playmaker. We speak to Wesley Schneider and Mesut Özil, the standout players at the World Cup. We look at the sixteen greatest playmakers of all time, and Southampton's greatest Matt Letizia answers your questions. Tim Cahill talks about being the face of FIFA Eleven. We spend time with Sydney FC's Corica and Carl, and look at the Major League Soccer lessons that could save the A League. Plus, we run the rule over Mancini's Man City. If it's in the game, it's in 4-4-2. On sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 4-4-2 Insider. Welcome back to this week's 4-4-2 Insider podcast. We're going to take the next sort of uh, section to have a look at some of the headlines on our website this week. Not surprisingly, uh, the correct answer to what has dominated uh, our headlines has been Newcastle Jets. Uh, yesterday saw uh, a dramatic turn of events that few people saw coming. Um, obviously, the Jets' woes have been uh, have been dominating the headlines with Con Constantine being bailed out by the FFA uh, to the tune of three hundred grand on uh, apparently on Monday. Uh, there was the ultimatum. Con had to prove that he was able to to continue the license and and funding that, or it was going to be taken from him. He couldn't do that, so the FFA. Uh, were true to their words and, and went and found another buyer. It seems within, if you speak, to, if you think to talk to the FFA within the space of 24 hours, Con sort of saying doesn't believe that's the case. Thinks that they've been caught in uh, Nathan is it Nathan Tinkler uh, yep. for a while. Um, they must have to a all, certain extent. It's all got ugly, hasn't it? It's <laughs> yeah. all got ugly. That's not a dig at the guys involved either. You are. That's not a dig at the no, guys. No, no. Um, Trev, what? What? I mean, what are we making this? I mean, as we say, you know, the A League just. You can say what you like about it, but it continues to deliver on the drama front. Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose Con's points were interesting. I think a lot of them were quite emotional, weren't they? Because it was just oh, so I mean, the, raw. Yeah, it just I mean, happened. And to the, I've got a fair bit of sympathy for him. You know, the guy's put in, you know, supposedly around 15 million of his own money over the last 10 years supporting the, the, the club there. Mm. And has, I believe, has every right to be emotional about it, you know. And, and, to a degree, can look around and see that you know Clive Palmer's had FFA assistance. He's the richest guy in in, in Australia. Um, you know the FFA are propping up Adelaide, propping up North Queensland Fury, and it was a, a state, step that they didn't want to take or didn't appear to want to take with the Jets. Um, so I can sort of understand where he's coming from, um, but you know, as true to Con's way, you know he's certainly come out swinging yeah. and has. Uh, Accused the FFA of stabbing him in the back. Um, you know, basically is accused. All of them have been liars. Um, you know, and it's. I doubt whether we've heard the last of this. He's accused uh, Frank Lowy of uh, offering him Western Sydney franchise or p- part of the Western Sydney franchise if he went quietly. Uh, well, he's certainly not gone quietly. No, so I think that deal. We won't be seeing him involved in Western Sydney. <laughs> That's the strange thing about. Perhaps I don't fully get is with the licensing because obviously you know clubs in Europe have been going for a hundred years and you know their ownership's completely different. But when the FFA own a license, what are the rules with them whipping it back off someone? You know if they've invested all this money, mm. 
you know, how, to what extent do they own that? Well, license? I mean, I, I'm sure that there is a very, very big legal document that goes with it, and I would imagine that one of the top priorities of that is you pay your players, and he's not, he's proved that he's unable to do that. So he's broken the so terms. So he's breached he's, the, yeah. you know, the, the, the term of his license, one of which would, of course, be, you know, you have to play, pay your, your staff on time. Yep. So he's proved that unable to do that, and, and has obviously not been able to give the FFA satisfactory guarantees that will be able to do it in the future. Hmm. Um, um we talked in the past about you know these handouts, and it doesn't matter how rich you are, they're probably rich for a reason, and you know they still feel that they probably deserve a part of this handout. And perhaps Con did, and do you think that he kind of was trying to get a bit of money out of the FFA, trying to get this funding that everyone was, and it sort of backfired? I think there's a degree of that. I think you know there's certainly a degree of Con sort of playing a bit of brinksmanship and calling the FFA's bluff, and you know I, I, Frank Lowy strikes me as one of those people that. Has probably had his bluff called before and just yep. gone. Yeah, thank you very much, Con. Thanks for all your efforts. Uh, Thanks. We'll Thanks find another money, buyer. Yeah. You know, um, just for those of you that, that haven't been reading the, the, the press overnight, um, Nathan Tinkler is. Uh, <laughs> let's just spell this out. He's a rich mining magnate uh, who's a got jolly. little or no emotional <laughs> investment in football. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, exactly. that works so um, well in the A League. Yeah, that's, where's that? Where's that work before? Um, but anyway, he is a very proud uh, Nova Castrian. He is the major sponsor of uh, the Knights Rugby League team. Uh, he lives in the area. He's from the area. He's got a massive portfolio in the uh, in the thoroughbred racing, uh, worth around half a billion, I think. Exactly. We've obviously read a lot of press releases, and they're all pretty similar. They all start with "I am delighted to do this." Rah rah. I've never read a press release where the guy's gone. Well, you know, he's made comments. Didn't really want to. Well, no, you say, <laughs> no, you <laughs> say that. You say, I thought club. it was funny that a press release from a guy that's just bought a football club was was the headline was "I have no interest in owning a football club." <laughs> yeah, which, exactly. Which was the interesting side. Yeah, he, his angle for this obviously is that you know he's seeing this as him doing something for the area, and yeah. I think he appreciates the fact and, and is very aware of the amount of football that gets played in that area. It's around fifty thousand registered players, and he sees it as almost like a community investment to to keep the having their football club which which is a, a very honourable reason and you know and, and I guess the, the sums involved when you've got half a billion uh, for some great PR in your local backyard probably um, probably doesn't um, doesn't do you any harm you know yeah. but uh, there's already talk of a potential amalgamation of the Jets and the Knights um, the Knights have had their own issues um, apparently you know Connor's always said that one of the main issues was the fractious relationship between the Jets and the Knights who and yeah, that was impacting on the sharing of the ground. And maybe if that can be resolved uh, by them working closer together, then maybe the Jets could move to a, you know, a financially solid position. Yep. Uh, so the situation is, is that Nathan Tinkler has, has stumped up the money until the end of this season and has an option to then buy the franchise. So, so I guess the, you know, what we're going to see is what happens between now and then. Do we see, um, you know, were the people disenfranchised by Con's ownership? Who knows? You know, they certainly didn't respond to the plea last week to get to show that you wanted to to support a club. Well, and it's not too long ago that Con was threatening to dangle some of the supporters over the grandstand, over the edge of the grandstand. So maybe the, you know, maybe there will be a, a surge back to the Jets. I'm going to miss him ownership. actually. I think. Oh yeah, it's always good for a quote. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think there was a lot of fans that claimed that they didn't go to the Jets because of Con. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what sort of spike they get off the back of him yeah. leaving. Because I think for a lot of people, it, it might have been a bit of a 
shallow excuse because they couldn't really be bothered to go to yeah. games. I mean, you think you'd have to feel quite strongly about someone who'd, who'd done a lot worse to their club than Con had to not go to watch your team because of it. I mean, loads of you know Manchester United fans are always protesting against you know their owners but they do it on the way to the game. They still end up sitting in the ground watching the game. Yeah. You know, It's a real shallow like protest. Liverpool fans, yeah, we're going to protest on the walk from the pub to the ground, <laughs> but we're still in the car. Yeah, of course we are. Yeah, of course. Um, ben Buckley said that, obviously, it was regrettable um, what happened with Con at the FFA looking long-term and hope that Tinker is a man to regenerate the 2008 grand final, uh, grand final winners. Um, I mean, where, where do we think that this is going to go? Um... Yeah, I mean, I think he's been quite honest and upfront, hasn't he, about Tinkler? This is about how long term his investment might be. But look, I mean, he could really get into it, couldn't he? There's no reason why he couldn't enjoy owning a football club and having that kind of presence and all the stuff that comes with it, higher profile and what have you. Mind you, from some of the you know problems he's had before, he'd probably try to avoid our high profile on certain mm. things. Um, I think the key thing that, that hasn't been announced yet, which will be critical for me, is who he puts in charge. Because if he's obvious, yeah, he's said. From the word go, he's got no emotional attachment to football. Uh, he's not a football person. Then who is going to be running the club day to day? Who's going to be his CEO? Who's going to, you know, that that's going to be the key to me. Who they put in charge? Because as we saw with the Gold Coast, you know, where, with Clive Palmer putting Clive Mensink in charge, who got no football experience at all yep. and come from a mining background, it's very very different running a a football club to running a mining company. So I hope that maybe he looks a bit further north and, and learns the lessons from that. Uh, but the one thing that I think everybody, everyone involved in Australian football is, is agreed on is that the fact that you know the Newcastle Jets will see out the season and have a very very good chance of uh, of a, a medium to long term future is good for the game. Yeah, you don't you don't want a former you know, former grand final winning team dropping out after just a few seasons and they have got a good base of fans there and hopefully with the con factor gone it would be good to see. I mean, what's a realistic crowd for? The Jets, I mean, you think it should be over 10? Well, you think I'm so. I mean, they seem to get, you know, seven, around the seven mark, you know, a, a, as bad as things were getting. So you'd, you'd like to think that there's probably, you know... It's probably isn't that bad in, that in no. the context of some of other no, clubs. Really. Um, whilst this is all going on, Ben Buckley also uh, said that the, they were looking at the option of delaying the second Sydney A-League franchise. Um but also there were other investors on the radar. Um, obviously, Ian Radden's West uh, Sydney Rovers bid is running out of time to prove that they've got the financing. What do you think about this, Trevor? And do you think that? I mean, what do you think about the delaying option? They're pretty determined to have a team in West Sydney. I think it looks like it's it's not where, but it's when. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, going back slightly to the con point, one of the things he was saying is that he wasn't formally informed by Double FA. I love it. Double love F- the double FA. Double FA. Um, that he was going to lose his license. He sort of found out when a journal rang him. I don't well, know if that's true, but I that- heard as well that, that he was he was he called his press conference yesterday afternoon mm. to outline his proposed rescue package for the Jets, which involved him relinquishing like some of his stake, going to a fifty-one percent majority stakeholder. Yeah. And then offering up the rest for for other investors in the region, and the, before we had a chance to do that, the FFA out announced their press oh. conference saying they're giving the license to someone else. Yeah, exactly. Which might explain his sort of relatively emotional state of mind at that press conference. You'd be upset. I mean, coming back to the West Sydney thing, um, one thing that definitely did happen when they gave the West Sydney bid, you know, 
to the Rowden consortium was that they didn't tell the other bids that that's what they were doing. Yeah. A lot of them found out when we found out at the same time when it came out in the press. So it seemed a little strange that the double FA are, <laughs> are handling things like this. So they, you know, well, they're yeah, not I mean, it, sitting it does down seem with to people. be a, a slightly concerning trend that, you know, that I think there are ways to deliver good news and ways to deliver bad news, just like on the pitch, you know, yeah. you know no one likes a, a sore loser, but also no one likes an ungracious winner. Yeah. You know? And I think there are ways that in which you can, uh, that you can make tough decisions while still keeping those, you know, treating those people with respect and, uh, and certainly that, that you know that was the cry from the the overlooked bids in Western Sydney was that they weren't even told what was going on and, and the first they knew about their unsuccessful uh, bids were when they announced that they'd given it to uh, to Sydney Rovers. So you know you, you hope that the that the FA maybe learn from this and uh, and try and deal with things in a in a in a bit more of an inclusive manner, let's say. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's obviously dominated uh, the last week really. So we'll take another break there, and in the next part we'll be discussing some practical things that we uh, that we think the A League can do now that Newcastle Jets are uh, are secure. Um, we put a call out on Twitter earlier in the week uh, to get some suggestions from our listeners to what practical things the A-League can do to breathe some life back into the competition and the crowds and we'll be sharing some of those after the break. Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1304 Goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're now going to spend the next discussion part of this talking about some practical things that we think that the FFA A-League could do to uh, to breathe some life back into the competition. Obviously we're on the cusp of uh, the other codes finishing with the AFL Grand Final this weekend and the NRL Grand Final the weekend after. So we're, we're, we're approaching that point that we all look forward to when the other codes finish and we can finally get a truer picture. Um, but I think it's clear that, that we can and should be doing a little bit more to promote the game. Um, we put the call out on Twitter earlier in the week. We've had a fair few, uh, some great response coming through. So we'll, uh, we'll share some of those. They're still coming in now. Um, most of the, uh, the tweets that we got back um, revolved around free-to-air uh, from the likes of Frank Savalio, Andrew Scott, Victory, Adam Welsh, um, really looking at free to air from free to air TV from two perspectives. Trev, one was uh, could the, could the FFA go to Fox and negotiate a way to get a free to air highlights package onto free to air early, um, and the other one was from a free to air advertising perspective. Now, as far as I understand it, there is a, an advertising campaign about to launch after the the other codes finished. Is that your understanding as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I think with the free to, air, free to air and the highlights package, um, you know, on 1HD, World Football News, you, you can watch the goals on there. Um, but I think it'd be good to have, an, you know, a whole game. So one game around, um, you know, it varies between the Friday and the Saturday and the Sunday. I mean, this is a discussion to sit down with Fox. I mean, they deserve that, you know, those rights because it was them who stumped up the money to get the league going in the first place. Um, but, yeah, to have that one free-to-air game a week, I think, would, would make a massive difference. But that might be something that would, it's going to have to wait until the agreement ends. Is that 2013? Yeah, well, I mean, Blake Hampton tweeted in saying, you know, that they have to go and renegotiate the TV deal and pay any compensation to Fox. You know, I'm sure that would be the case. 
yeah. uh, renegotiating early. Andrew Scott said, you know, core supports the issue. One free to air, air game a week. Um, kickoffs nearer traditional times. Um, more concessions for kids. You know, all all good points. So, Trev, I've got a few here. Some that range from, uh, you know, very simple things that could be done straight away to uh, to a few more long term ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, the obvious one would be to look to neg- renegotiate the TV deal early because one of the things is is that obviously. If Fox believe that the product they have is going to be severely devalued by the time 2013 comes around, then should, wouldn't it be in their interest potentially to renegotiate a little bit earlier, knowing that they know they hold they hold a lot more of the cards as well? I'd say they'll have a very very um, you know strong hand in terms of what they could do with that. So you know they might be willing to. to do that. I mean, it depends how successful it's proven for them. You know, yeah. I don't know what their viewing figures are. Yeah. You know, if it's something that probably needs a bit of a shot in the arm, because potentially for them, if people are watching that one free to air, that might encourage them well, exactly. to want to watch the yeah, other I mean, ones. The, on the, the highlights thing to me would be if the, because. You know, then then you're you're effectively you know it's effectively a big window for Fox mm. Sports's live coverage. You know, yeah. a, you know a delay a Monday night highlight show. Um, you know that that then drives people to say, well, actually, I don't want to wait till Monday. I want to watch it live. Yeah, you know? exactly. Therefore, the only way to do that is um is by subscribing to Fox. I think one thing I'd say about a highlights package. If you take the example of say Match of the Day in the UK. What was so exciting about that was that most of the games were on Saturday three o'clock, and you knew. 9 or 10 30 at night that you were going to get to wrap up all the games yeah when it gets a little bit more fragmented and it's kind of they're on different days and you know what night do you have it do you have it on monday night you know sunday night after the last game to keep yeah. it fresh you know I, I think the time slot that might be a little bit difficult yeah and the other thing is that you know you could produce a very nice one hour highlight show from mm. the quality on the pitch this season that would be yeah. a very very good advert for the game well fox already know. do one because they put it around the world don't they because yeah, people yeah, in the yeah, UK watch yeah, it. Yeah, half an hour show. Yeah. So, you know, they're already producing something. Yeah. Um, a little one for me, but and I was watching the Gold Coast um, last night and on Sunday. If you're only going to open one stand, can mm. you not make it the one opposite the TV cameras so at least it looks like there's someone there? Yep. I just don't get why. If, if you're only going to open one stand, why do you open? Yeah. The, why is it the only stand that's not visible on the TV cameras that where the people well, are? Is it the, do you remember the um, New Zealand game in Melbourne, the World Cup farewell game? Yeah. And you saw that it was really packed on one stand. Yeah. Because, you know, we were there. And that's because the TV cameras could see that part of the stand. So it's a pretty obvious move to do. Yeah, I can't believe they don't so do it. It's so frustrating. I was just sat there pulling my hair out. Because you don't want to You know, you don't want to be a game with no people, but you also don't want to watch no, a game. You looks, can't see looks, any people. Yeah, you know, it's like, and I was sat there thinking, you know, it looks like a friendly, it feels like a friendly, and it was a nil-nil draw. And the, I, I just felt that, you know, the, as a player, I don't think you can, you, they can't help but be affected by that. If there's no atmosphere, it doesn't yeah. feel like a really competitive game, you know. So, so let's do what little we can, you know. So if you're going to only open one stand, make it the one opposite the TV cameras, please. Um, any, any others from you, Chair? I, th- I think one of the main ones that I like to talk about, and I'd imagine you've probably got it there in your notes as well, is a revamp of the marquee system. Yeah. Possibly some kind of part funded by the FFA system where, you know, they come a certain amount of the way to cover the wages of these guys, and then you kind of, you know, you pay the rest. So it's not such a big burden and I yep. think spinning off from that is the guesting because potentially that could work really well and we have seen players come on on guest stints and you know Eugenio came didn't he for the seven games 
I don't feel that... No, he was actually marquee. He only played seven games. So oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Carboni came as a guest player. Right, okay. Because he came as a guest player. It just felt like Janino was a guest player. Yeah. He didn't play very many matches. I must admit, I'm not a big fan of the guest player. I think it's a bit of a... Makes a bit of a mockery of it that players come for like four or five games and leave. But if you revamp it, make it longer, make it ten games or something, or... I, I, I agree with you on the on the marquees. I think that, that you know... The, there needs to be a degree of, cent- you know, it was one of the areas where I probably would argue that there needs to be more centralisation rather than less, whereas there's a lot of areas, I think, where there needs to be less centralisation and clubs need to be able to go and, and have a bit more autonomy to generate their own revenues. But yeah. if the clubs aren't willing to invest in the marquee policy, then I, I think that the FFA should. Um, and we should be competing to bring players here because that is, you know, is a surefire way of of adding crowds every game is if both sides home and away have a have a good quality marquee player that people want to go and see you know and mm-hmm. the Robbie Fowler the Dwight York has proven that you know away supporters or as you know when those people play away will pay money to go and watch them you know yeah. we've seen it with, with Robbie Fowler coming to Sydney FC and all around the country um, one of the things that I thought was, was you know this season I'd, I'd like again a bit more centralised things on, on maybe themed weekends Right. So maybe declare one day around Christmas like ladies weekend. So, you know, any women get in for free. Yeah. You know, um, same again, players day. So any registered players get a a chunky discount, you know, so maybe it's, you know, five bucks or ten bucks if you're a registered player. So again, you know, we're talking about how they can engage with grassroots. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of clubs that are doing that on a Sydney FC have offered free memberships to under 12s. Yep. Um, I don't know how well that's going. You certainly don't see the stadium filled with with kids yet. Um, kids' day would be another one. Yeah. You know, so because again, the kids are getting in free. They're not going on their own. So someone's going to go and pay to be there. So, and again, I think that should be that should be a league event, not just one club doing it. I think it should be you know it should be a themed round. You know, there yeah. should be promotion of it. It should be on. You know, there should be free to air advertising of it. You know, it's ladies' weekend in the A League. You know, get down so it's put. Because one thing that we do know that the other codes can't compete with is the amount of women playing football. Yeah. You know, they're not playing AFL, they're not yeah. playing rugby league. You know, so let's reach out to them. It's the one sport that they participate in as well as watch. Mm. Um, one, one of the biggest success stories of the Premiership in the last sort of decade was engaging with females and families and yeah. you know rather than that sort of um, different feel that they had through the sort of 80s and 90s so if we can get a similar feel out of here that would be great um, one of the things that I think you know we've seen again this year and we've said that it crops up every year is this clash with the start of the season with the other codes um, I'd potentially like to see us look at starting the league later um, and, and still finishing it at the same time, um, but playing more midweek games. Uh, they're not really taken off much, though, have they? No, but I don't think they've really been given the chance to. I think they've been so sporadic that people haven't been able to get into the, the habit of it. You know, it's been one here and one there. Um, and then that would give them the opportunity in that August September period to play the FFA Cup. Yep. And to start that as a state based tournament to start with, and then the A League clubs come in at a later stage and play against the, uh, exactly. the top winners from the States and you know let's get a sponsor on board you know this would create so much interest yep. and genuine interest from people who would who would make the time to go and see that whilst the other codes are, are still playing yeah. you know and then that gives the opportunity for the season proper to start unopposed 
in October. You know, I think we have to look at that. And I I appreciate the fact that it may mean midweek games that are poorly attended. But right now we're playing weekend games that are poorly attended. So I think we need to look at at anything and everything. Sure. Um, Yeah, I had sort of, you know, that FFA Cup. That's definitely going to come at some point. I think it's just fleshing out how it could work. Another thing that you'd like to see me introduce, and this isn't a very well-defined idea. And also, Ted, just one thing on that. Maybe that FFA Cup is something that we, that could go to free to air. Yeah. As as the biggest yeah. advert for the coming season. And like you say about the sponsorship, you know, it's like the Carling Cup in England. You, you're going to need a big sponsor to you know absolutely. to get it going, aren't you? And there's nothing wrong with that. They do it everywhere across the. But, you know, but again, world. you know, you talk about engagement with grassroots. There'd be no greater engagement with grassroots than than giving those those state Premier League teams a shot. You know, at, and also. You know, the, the state federations run their own inclusive cup competition. So I think it's the McDonald's Cup in New South Wales where yep. you know, teams from the eastern suburbs, Premier League, have the chance to, to win through in an FA Cup style um, sort of open draw to play against the New South Wales Premier League team. So maybe that's the competition that then feeds into this. So genuinely, there is an opportunity for a completely amateur side to end up playing against the A-League side in, yeah. the, in the, you know, the, the round when they come in. And of it, course it's going to cost money. Of course mm. it's going to cost money. But this is the thing that could capture people's imaginations and would be something that you could sell to a sponsor and potentially a free-to-air TV station as such great content because, again, it can't happen in any other, it can't happen in any other sport. Yeah. You know, the, the, in rugby league, an amateur side can't win through to go and play in a cup competition against the... St George Dragons, you know, but that would be something that football could create. That creates massive interest. Yeah, um, you know, the thing I was going to mention, like I say, it's not really fleshed out properly. But one of the biggest disappointments is how few fans travel to away games. Now I know it's tough yeah. because you know even the shortest journeys aren't that short. But is there any way you know if they could get involved in some kind of you know tour group or discounts? I mean, Qantas sponsor the Socceroos. Well, they sponsor the A League. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So you know, and, and you know, you know, the other thing is that no other airline is allowed to get anywhere near football. Well, that's know. going to be another thing. Also, and this the sponsorships they've got, which was a, a reasonable idea at first to lock in a certain amount of money, makes it very difficult for you know for the clubs to go out and get their their own sponsorship deals. I mean, now, in the AFL, which you know, with, which Ben Buckley has, has obviously come from, and, and seems to be the blueprint for a lot of decisions or or you know structures that the A League employ. Um, you know, you have Toyota that sponsor the AFL mm. at a league level, but then you have they are, you have other car companies involved with with teams. You know, so you have Ford involved with the Geelong Cats, and so you know, again, I I do think that we, we probably need to look at that because certainly you get the impression with well, FFA crime poor um, gives you the impression that those umbrella overarching sponsorship deals aren't delivering enough cash yeah. for the exclusivity that they're getting. Yep. Um, all right, some of my longer-term ones I had was, um, and it gets back to the, the, the Gold Coast thing. It gets back to is, is the the site of, you know, five, six thousand, seven thousand in Brisbane Roar's case, rattling around in a fifty-five thousand stadium. Yep. is you know a dedicated plan from all clubs to whether it's in five years, ten years, but all clubs need to put in a a plan in place to move to a purpose-built rectangular stadium yeah, I mean I've, I've definitely got that and the point I made that it's essential for all new franchises to be moving into one yeah. you know I, I don't think any new 
clubs should be coming in and rattling around. And preferably the... one that, that is theirs to own, that is theirs yeah. to then has a, a revenue stream. Um, you know, and again, it should be done in conjunction with the grassroots. It should be done in conjunction with the the, the state federation in which they play. Yep. Um, you know, the Mariners is a, is a good example of this, that the governments are willing to chip in money for these sorts of things, mm. as long as there's a community angle to it. So if we're talking about build you know a, a mariners type complex but it actually has rather than a 3000 seat stadium it has a 10000 seat stadium attached where they play their home games yeah you know I, and i think that's essential i just think it is so essential um the other one i had was on it was on the ownership issue and i think that the the jets the, the the interim nature of tinkler's involvement does give the ffa the opportunity potentially to look at a a blueprint for a league club ownership with the jets in um, maybe if this guy doesn't have the you know the the desire to own a football club outright, but wants to support the re- the, fo- the region's football team, mm. then maybe he moves to a, you know we move to a shared ownership model with the Jets. Um, but part of that ownership model is uh, is the community. Yeah. You know, so we could move to a model where Northern New South Wales have a stake in it. Uh, there are debentures put up for just individuals to take ownership to get a vote you know so we move to a part part corporate part community model but again include the 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 state federation in that um because there is your immediate link to grassroots yep you know you can't get a better link than ownership you know Um, and i realize that some of these might be problematic and are probably going to be more difficult in the bigger regions but i definitely think that it's something that we should be um that we should be investigating Yes. Mate, anything else from your perspective? I mean, we've pretty much given them that. We'll be putting in our invoice. Well, exactly. Yeah, they don't need to do any more work now. So they, one thing I would say, and I don't think many people are suggesting suggesting this anyway, is no changes to the actual football, as in rules of football, to try and get people in. Yeah. I, I, oh, do you know okay. what I mean? It should yeah, still yeah. be the same game. We should be thinking about the ideas like we've mentioned. Yeah. All right, great. Well, that's uh, that's been a slightly longer segment than usual, but I think it's been worth it. Look, if you agree with us, don't agree with us, think we're talking about out of our asses, then feel free to jump on the uh, website and give us what for. Or if you've got any better ideas, then uh, then please do uh, come forward with them because uh, it's a healthy debate and one that I think we shouldn't shy away from. So join us after the break. We're going to preview round eight in the A-League. It's time to celebrate the rebirth of the playmaker. We speak to Wesley Schneider and Mesut Ozil, the standout players at the World Cup. We look at the 16 greatest playmakers of all time and Southampton's greatest Matt Letizia answers your questions. Tim Cahill talks about being the face of FIFA 11. We spend time with Sydney FC's Corica and Carl and look at the Major League soccer lessons that could save the A-League. Plus we run the rule over Mancini's Man City. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We are going to look ahead to round eight of the A-League, which kicks off two games on Friday night. Uh, early game in Australian time 7.30 in Wellington at Westpac Stadium is uh, Phoenix versus North Queensland Fury Phoenix's uh, unbeaten home run is looking to extend into its 24th consecutive match which is uh, on hell of a record um, this will actually mean that it, is the, it would be the best record 
for an undefeated consecutive home run, uh, which would beat Sydney United's run of 23 consecutive matches from 1996 to 1999. Oh, cool. Last time Wellington lost at Westpac Stadium was a 1-0 win, a 1-0 defeat, sorry, to Brisbane Raw in October 2008. What's incredible is that Wellington's not like they've been cleaning up the grand final every season. No, no, it? they've just <laughs> been phenomenal at home yeah. and awful away. Uh, can the striker man cause an upset? Uh, gone off the boil a little bit on the goals front, haven't they, Fury? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a tough place to go, but I think they've got the potential to go there and get a point. Actually, um, I think I think Fury um, thinks will carry on undefeated, um, but I think they might have to settle for a point in that one. Yeah. Um, no, I I think Phoenix will go on and win that. I think they'll uh, they'll be hurting a bit after their trip to Melbourne. I think they'll want to come back and. Uh, Get back to winning ways. I think they'll do that. Um, second game on Friday night is from Hindmarsh Stadium. Massive. Yeah, big game this. Uh, Adelaide versus Perth, first v third. Um, Adelaide, very strong at home. Perth, not so great away. So you'd probably say favourites would be Adelaide. Sporting bets certainly making them favourites. Um, I really strongly fancy Adelaide here. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they're you know they're going well. And strangely, you know the Brisbane result last week, even though they didn't win, I still think that you know that was a good performance. You know to t- to go there and they're not shipping many goals, Brisbane. So for Adelaide to pick up a point, coming back home, Perth gone off the boil a little bit. You know Perth always terrible away from home. Adelaide looking strong at home, and Adelaide are getting a little bit of you know daylight between themselves and the and the rest of the league. Is, is it a three point gap? I think they might have now. Um, yeah, three points, four four points between them and Perth. So obviously you know they go and win this, that opens up a a seven point gap. Yeah, and that's I mean there's a long way to go, and you know we know what the A League's like with teams having surges and going up and down and going into the finals. But you know we, when they get Travis Dodd back, like we were saying earlier, that Adelaide team got a very very impressive front line and yeah I think they can um, you know seriously go well I mean that's the thing about them last season for them to finish bottom with the players they had you know was ridiculous really so I don't think it's that big a surprise they've bounced back I just don't think we expected them to bounce back you know quite so strongly from the off Okay, uh, the first game on Saturday is at Suncorp Stadium Brisbane Roar against uh, Melbourne Heart Brisbane, as we said, uh, seem to have gone off their uh, off the boil a little bit. They started the season very strongly. Yeah. Um, Melbourne Heart, on the other hand, started uh, quite poorly. Took a while to get the first win, but have now uh, now got a couple of wins under their belts. And what we got? There's only one point between the sides. So yeah, they look better with Alo- Aloisi in the side. I think Hart, that good bit of just that bit of meat up front. Um, yeah, Brisbane keep saying the same stuff, but they are struggling to score. Very, very difficult one to call that one. Really yeah. hard. Um, so in that case, I think it have to be a draw. The sporting better making uh, Brisbane pretty strong favourites actually. Two dollars twenty-five. Melbourne Heart at three bucks. Draw at three thirty. Just to recap on the other, the previous games we talked about. Wellington uh, strong favourites at home to North Queensland on Sporting Better dollar seventy-three. North Queensland four dollars seventy-five. That's pretty good value for the yeah, area. Draw three dollars forty. Adelaide. Uh, Slight favourites, $2.30 against Perth. Perth, $2.90. The draw, $3.30. Have Adelaide there, I reckon. You reckon? Yeah. yeah. Um, second game on Saturday uh, is first uh, the first game in the new Jets regime at home to Melbourne Victory. The Tinkler Man. Yeah, you know, so we'll again, we will see come 7 o'clock when the cameras uh, 
start beaming footage, will we see a will we see a ten thousand strong crowd there? Do we think? There's no complaints. I mean, they're always a good team to watch, aren't they? Victory, you know. Yeah. They're uh, what you know the big club, so yeah, there's no excuses not to have a good crowd there. Uh, Branko Kalina is set to coach his 313th Australian National League match, ranking him among the top five most experienced coaches in the Australian National League. So can you name how many of the others can you name? Oh, well, I've got it in front of me. I read it before oh. you started doing it, so it seemed a bit unfair. All right, for the trivia buffs, the, the only people that have managed more games, uh, he's now just taken over Rally Rasic. He still has ahead of him Manfred Schaefer, John Cosmina, Frank Arok. And Zoran Matic, who coached 468 National League wow. matches. Um, how do we see it going on the pitch? Um, ooh, again, tough to call. I mean, the, the Jets just haven't got going of there. Other than that sort of win over Perth, they've really looked sluggish and lacklustre. Um, I can see victory turning up and ruining the party. Really? Yeah. I know they're, believe it, Sporting Bet have, favor, have victory slight favourites at $2.50, Newcastle $2.65, the draw $3.30. I've just got a sneaking feeling that the players from Newcastle, um, you know, let's, let's, let's be clear about this. You know, these guys didn't know until yesterday whether they were going to get paid this week or whether they no. were going to be employed at the end of this week. You know, and a lot of them have got families and mortgages and, you know, and I, I think there's a very real... Yeah, we we focus obviously on the on the football, but there's a very real human element to this, you know. And these guys have, you know, imagine how you'd feel if Nad just found out that that they are going to be employed and paid until at least the end of the season. So I've got a sneaking feeling that they'll have a massive spring in their step and will come out and give it everything they've got. And I also think that they'll, you know, it's it's another it's it's almost like a chance to to sort of reinvent themselves as a club um, yeah. in the post-con era. And uh, I think we might well see Newcastle come out and win that. Yep. Uh, final game. Final game. All on its own. Sunday. Sydney FC. Rock bottom Sydney FC. Um, and a adrift at the bottom because uh, even if they win, they won't go off the bottom. Yeah, they had their best weekend Coast. last weekend, didn't they, Sydney? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, three o'clock. Sunday afternoon. Showdown. Do we see them getting their first win of the season? Uh, oh God! Michael Thwaite is making his fiftieth uh, A League appearance. Is he going to celebrate it with some points? Um, a point, I think. Yeah, I think the, the Gold Coast can go there. They've, they've been a bit uh, goal shy, but there's no real surprise when you sell the league's best finisher. Um, it's not going to be easy to replace, is he? Yeah. Um, I can't believe they haven't got you know with with Kalina going to overseas market uh, to Australian market. Sorry. Just expected Gold Coast to get a big foreign marquee, but they talked about well, it. I saw, yeah, I mean they did talk a about, they talking about uh, Perez, Perez, and that. But I just, I guess the state of mind that Clive Palmer's in, I guess he'd probably look at, well, why am I going to throw more money at this? You know? yeah, well, Con's comments are interesting, weren't they? Um, about Clive Palmer saying that you know he's not too happy. And he might. Well, there's, I mean, there's talking about a, a, a sort of uh, faction which involves Jeff Lord from Melbourne Victory, Clive Palmer. Uh, Traktovenko from Sydney and who's the other one? There's four. Right. Uh, you know that are looking. Oh, Tony Sage from right. Perth. That are lobbying the FFA for a greater share of the spoils, if you like, and uh, and a bit more uh, autonomy. Um, and considering they're you know the four sort of money men that that have got the ability to. Uh, they're the guys that yeah, the club, you, you know they, they probably carry a fair bit of weight at the moment. So we'll see how that develops. Um, Sporting bet have Sydney. Uh, quite strong favourites which I, I, I find bizarre at $2.10 and Gold Coast at $3.30 a 
the draw is probably the value bet there, three dollars thirty. Um, I mean, what, what, where do we see? What do we think Sydney SC have to do to get out of this rut, Trev? Well, they've got some of their players back. Is that right? Is, is Broski going to be back? McFlynn? Not sure. Not not really heard anything on the on the Broski side of it. It's just you know, I mean, it, it's it's a shame that he's played. He's featured so little, and we're you know, we're six, nearly seven games in. Uh, that that's you know that's what's going to make the difference, isn't it? That you know they're clearly short just on quality. So when they get those players back, if they can hit the ground running, then that'll make the difference. Yeah. Uh, Andy Todd just turned 36. I see on the notes here. Yeah, and yeah, he's going well. Yeah, still a good player. Um, what's it? Jared Tyson turns 21, and Jack Hingert, two lesser known names in the <laughs> yeah. A-League, turns 20. But anyway, Struggling happy birthday to both of them. Yeah, and the latest we got is is that that Broski is in contention for this weekend, although it's not been confirmed yet that he will that he will start. But certainly, Sydney FC can't get him back early enough. Uh, I guess the other one would be see how whether you know Bruno uh, backs up. Uh, mm. He scored a neat goal at Wellington, but it wasn't enough. But you know maybe he can kick on Bruno Casarin, the Brazilian centre forward. Um, I think the key player that, uh, as well, uh, the obvious omission of Brosk has been Terry McFlynn. Yeah, you know since he he's went the captain, out, yeah. yeah, you know he he, he sold your life about him, and uh, you know he's a you know he's one of those sort of bread and butter players. But certainly Sydney FC miss him when he's not there. So um, he's solid. Uh, isn't yeah, he? they'll be hoping that, that he'll be back as well. And let's hope that um, you know Sydney FC uh, take a little bit of heart from the Jets and uh, and get a decent crowd there on a Sunday afternoon because uh, that's what people want. Sunday three o'clock kickoff. So yeah, it's not going to happen though, is it? You don't I, think? No, I don't think so. I don't think Sydney crowds turn out when they're bottom of the league. No. I think that'll be a great crowd. That'll be around 7,000, 8,000. You reckon? Yeah. Well, all right, let's hope we're wrong. Yeah. But anyway, that's it for this week. Thanks a lot for joining us. As I say, if you want your say on anything, just uh, head to our website, au.442.com, and make yourself heard. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.